At this point, you should be on the frame with a film strip title that says Oral Hi. Welcome to Oral Hygiene. It's a podcast where you look at educational films, experimental and caught films, interesting documentaries. This is Matt. With me today is a fellow podcaster from the Mission Log podcast. Hello, John Champion. Hello, Matt. Good to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Of course, uh, we're, we're, we're tangentially, I guess, uh, track. You, you recently did the Deep Space Nine my way, and I was sitting there Vegas, gotta do Vegas. So, or yeah. is it a recreation? Unlimited is today's film. Uh, there are no limits on this recreation. We're going to recreate so hard. All right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <of> <laughs> yeah. But uh, as I asked uh, or mentioned before, could you give us that uh, quick sort of TV guide synopsis of uh, this film? Yeah, you know, so you're flipping around in a TV guide in 1956, 57, and uh, you stumble across this little ad that says, uh, hey, are you planning a trip to Vegas? Watch Recreation Unlimited, all about the Desert End, where, where you will see uh, pools and golf and lots of golf and driving, tons of driving, because uh, everybody's got a car there. Yeah, really. Uh, That's it. That was, yep. Yeah, that was one of the things that blew my mind here. Just uh, we're all used to uh, hi-fi, insane Vegas. So seeing such a a lo-fi, you know, everything. Ever they're outdoors for the most part. That's weird because you can yeah in Vegas forever. I think. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very chill. Like it, it, you can tell that the the scale of Vegas is definitely getting bigger. Like it, they're they're definitely on the upswing. This isn't the I can't remember what Bugsy Siegel, you know, he created the Flamingo. And at the time, it was just this tiny little space, nice, but tiny. And then it took a good 10 years, which is where we are with this uh, late 50s for Vegas to really start growing. And it, it reminded me like the shots of this reminded me of going to Palm Springs now. Now, you don't have the shows, you don't have the casinos and stuff, but it's still like everything's pretty much one or two stories high. You drive through a lot of desert to get there. And then, you know, it's like normal sized pools, normal sized hotels. You know, it's not crazy in your face all the time. And that makes me think, yeah, there, there's a, a town that time stopped in like 1962. <laughs> and this version of Vegas that we get in this, it's, it's definitely growing, but it's, uh, it hasn't gotten to the insane decadence of the 70s and beyond. Um. What sort of hit me? Um, actually, this film didn't quite look like that. I, I've only been to Vegas once, and um, mm -hmm. then the car broke down. We were heading for Prescott, Arizona, and the car broke down around Lawton, so we ended up hanging around Lawton for a couple of days. That must and, have been um, great. Yeah, I was like, this must be '60s <laughs> Vegas. This, like, when we were in Lawton, I was like, oh, this is where the Rat Pack would hang out. That that was left as like yeah. the time capsule there. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it's just cool to see that that slice before things really change, to see that moment. And, and clearly, like the whole point of a place like Vegas 
is that it keeps changing over time and everybody's in competition with everybody else and the hotels get bigger and the entertainment gets grander and bolder and um you know that that's what we expect out of a place like that but then when you find either a slice of it in film like this or a slice of it in real life it's kind of special and my my notes to myself here about this film is that it is yeah it, it's this modern but timeless but retro kind of feel you know it, it's nice but it's certainly not fancy the the desert inn is really trying to make a case for how how incredible and uh and how special it is but you like just like well this isn't really fancy they have this weird st louis arch by the pool <laughs> but but you know the the pool isn't insane and there aren't like yeah there is a fountain show at the end uh but it's not super over the top the way things are now yeah i was like it's like a really nice motel yeah um. I, right see exactly exactly again the, this point in vegas this point in time in vegas where things were just one or two stories high very motor friendly and kind of approachable on a human scale yeah exactly um so i'm sitting here thinking i recently got back to, to showgirls so <laughs> i'm wondering oh where we put God. that on the where we put that on yeah. the uh, vegas continuum <laughs> Yes, um, I, I've only been through once. I've only I've only spent a night in Vegas, to be honest. But uh, mm. <laughs> um, that and was where, where were you then when you were in Vegas? Like, oh, we were we were uh, twenty two or twenty three year olds uh, going through on the cheap. So we stayed at like an actual motel, like next to Circus Circus. Wow! <laughs> oh man, uh, you know you're in for it when it's next to Circus Circus. I know, yeah. <laughs> you can't even get into Circus Circus. That's well, again, the, the, the car broke down the next day. It was like a, it was a 1983 Honda Civic, and this this was in like 2003. So <laughs> this is how people get murdered. That, that, that's uh, that's what happens. I mean, I I've made that drive from L.A. to Vegas and back so many times, and there's a, a town called Baker. And you just know that that is the murder capital of uh, Nevada, or maybe it's California. I don't, I don't know, but but either way, like it's a town built on the premise that cars will break down, and then the you know the genetic mutants come out of the hills and uh, just start picking off tourists. I guess we were lucky for breaking down Lawton then. Um. Yeah, you were. You were. <laughs> my trip. Um, when, when I made the trip, I I met my friend in uh, San Francisco, and she was like, we could. We could go swing. We we were going to Prescott because uh, she went to school there, and we were like, we mm -hmm. could swing down through L.A. or take the upward arch through Death Valley and Vegas. And gotcha. I took the Vegas in part because uh, it was 2003, and I, I could still ride the original uh, experience. Right? Oh, right on! <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Right. So we did that. Um, R.I.P. Yeah. Which I did properly hungover because um yeah we got there and I was like <laughs> okay I'm only going to spend twenty bucks gambling. That's it. <laughs> I, I got i got bored after eight and uh spent the other 12 bucks on martinis which of course is a lot nice. of martinis in vegas <laughs> yeah 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 that's an easier way to not get bored yeah yeah so i i definitely know i'm not a gambler <laughs> yeah yeah me either me either i my my patience for it is like if i i the first time i went to vegas i was there for a trade show 
No, wait, I, I'm sorry. Second, uh, first time I went was for a wedding. Second time I went was for a trade show. And um, the people that I was with, none of us were gamblers. But every now and then it, it was just, it, it was almost like we were trying to psych ourselves out. Like, okay, if we're walking through a casino from the lobby to the bar, what if you just, like, what is the shortest amount of time that you can stop and put 20 bucks down at like a roulette table? Can you at least just like, double your money and walk away and that became sort of our game with each other because we we didn't like to gamble but we liked the idea of buying each other a drink so we just sort of walk through put the money down and then and with roulette it's so dumb it's just like is it black is it red you know but then you get some money back from it and we're like okay th this is great that'll be our gambling we'll limit ourselves to that put down money and if you win something you buy the other person a drink and if you don't you just walk away that's yeah. it. You're done. If it if I had been there a year or two later, I, I might have given that that would have been a Texas Hold'em peak. So I might have given mm -hmm. that a shot. Mm -hmm. But when I went there, I hadn't actually learned how to play that well yet. I don't yeah. think I could play that well now. It's been quite a while. So yeah. <laughs> you know, these things do take some uh, practice. Uh, yeah. Oh, they do. Yeah. Pulling it back to Desert Inn, they they start name checking people a lot, and uh, I'm like, are they? Again, why aren't they at like the Flamingo or something? Are, are they outside of Rat Pack orbit? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, what I think is going on here. Although, I mean, you can tell they're the big names and then they're the smaller names. I, I was impressed. You know, the, one of the first people they point out is Noel Coward. That That's super cool. I, I was just like, wow, you know, you're going for a, a, a literary celebrity. And and he was known as a performer as well, but that that was pretty cool. And then you got uh, Jane Powell. Hello, um, you know. They, so there are some really cool. And then there are some who you just don't know anymore. Like they're hot for a minute, and you have to assume that whoever's doing PR for the Desert Inn, they're like calling in the favors and getting them to come hang out by the pool. Just come on, you don't have to do anything. Just hang out. We'll just get a shot. And then we'll have the narrator say your name. That's all you're in it for. And then you can go back to the flamingo. We promise. <laughs> go back. Go back into your room. Pull down the blinds mm. and ah, and freak out. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> but um, what else do I got? Oh yeah, there, there were a few phrases in this. Uh, of course, this is a very vintage film. That's that's part of the charm. But um, I oh did oh, the charm. A... Look, look, you had me. I was sold because from the the first second that this film started. I am there for anything that starts out with that warbly mismatch. You know, the soundtrack isn't quite aligned when the film starts. When it's that compared uh, or combined with the really can narration, I'm there. I, I am. I am sold. You have my attention. <laughs> so from the beginning, I was in. Radio. Um, the first one that stuck out as being a little funky, um, the most famous three miles in the world. I was like, oh, not anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Uh, and I, I believe in that same paragraph, the narrator says something about tropical splendor. Like, no, <laughs> no, you're, you're in a desert with a pool and about six trees. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the temperatures are tropical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I went around, uh, I took that trip around New Year's, so I, I remember Death Valley as being a, a relatively cool place. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. that's got to be the wrong idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wore a jacket in, in Death Valley. That's wild. <laughs> Ooh. Well, it's just so you can, like, 
take it off and then feel like you're actually cooling down. But no, if you if you were there during a nice part of the year, you were lucky. Yeah. Right. Oh, and uh, the the other one they try sticking on to this uh, the slogan that may not sit so well these days when they call it the uh, gay white way of the West. <laughs> I was like, Ow. oh, they should bring that back. They they should totally <laughs> bring that. Just just own it. it you know, uh, the the days of what stays in Vegas or, or what what happens in Vegas stays those are long gone. So they should just bring back just make it full circle and go back to the gay white way. <laughs> <laughs> No, like I was saying, if you want 60s Vegas, I really felt like Lawton was the place. Maybe Reno. I haven't been to Reno, but. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be, you know, I, I, but it also depends. Like, that's when uh, the time that this film was made, um, and, and clearly it's a promotional piece for the desert end. So they're really not showing off what's around them. And, and I think the Stardust was open by that time. Obviously, Flamingo was. Maybe even the. Uh, frontier i think was open around then and that's when things started to stretch out along uh las vegas boulevard there on what we know today as the strip but then there's that shot toward the end where they're in downtown vegas on fremont street and all those old neon signs that are now in the neon sign boneyard uh for like the golden nugget and you know, vegas vic and all that stuff all there looking incredible so like depending on when you went if you were really cool you were probably in downtown you were probably there on fremont and if you were just sort of like in this case like trying to sell people on the idea like no, no 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 come come a little bit south come down on uh, vegas boulevard then you're in these hotels that have a little more sprawl you know again the one or two story places with the big pool and and no shade anywhere that's you know they were trying to get people to migrate down that way and, that, and that's where we all go now yeah i, I feel like downtown has the uh, reputation more of a demilitarized zone these days <laughs> no completely yeah yeah it, it depends on when you hit it you know um I, i've been there when it felt really cool like like just i i hit it for a minute when it felt like People are into the the nostalgia of it, and there are some shows and restaurants kind of popping up. And then I feel like within the same year, I've been there where it just felt like a total nightmare, where it, it's just, you know, it, nobody's really into it. They just you feel like everybody's there. They're out of obligation. And like, well, we have to go see the, the lights and the canopy now that stretches over the street and then, you know, get our three dollar margarita and a plastic cup and then get the hell out you know <laughs> yeah so do you have a, a favorite hotel casino you know there's so many that i the first time that i went i stayed at the flamingo and i thought it was really cool um because they do maintain a little bit of that uh vintage vibe not not a whole lot um i i think the one right now that has adapted the best to modern Vegas in, in terms of its growth and like quality of amenities and quality of restaurants. And I think Caesars is nailing it all the time. And it's very different from what Caesars looked like, you know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. Go look up photos and video of that. It's entirely different. And then there are some that are nice, like they they've they've earned their reputation for a reason. Like Bellagio, super nice. Loved my stay there. Uh, there, it, just everything about it is quality. 
Then you go down the street a little bit and it's like Venetian, trying to be very nice, but it just feels like the sprawling mess that you get lost in no matter what. So I don't know, I, I tend to uh, I tend to hotel hop. You know, because I'm not a gambler, I tend to go from place to place based on uh, restaurant availability, restaurant choices, and shows and architecture. And let's face it, Vegas is a city, at least on the strip there, uh, as uh, my mom actually pointed out one time, this is a place where there are buildings but there is no architecture, <laughs> you know? Well, it's like, yes, yeah, like there is a structure that you can go in. <laughs> there is a structure that holds rooms, uh, but can we really call it architecture? Uh, not not necessarily, you know? I'm looking up some 40-year-old uh, photos of Caesars here. I'm finding Dom DeLuise, I think. Yes, <laughs> oh man. Hey, and, and don't forget, you know, uh, Evil Knievel did uh, a jump there in front of Caesars. Caesars would always show uh -huh. up in like um, uh, TV specials and, um, uh, well, let's see, even in uh, History of the World Part One. Yeah, yeah, I was, they, I was they, looking for that to the palace. To, yeah, I was looking yeah. for that place to the entire yeah. time I was there. Um, and, and that's it. And if you if you watch stuff like that now, and you had not been to Vegas, you would think like, oh, Vegas is a place where I go check into my hotel and then I can walk around a bit. That is not the case. Like they, it is designed now to keep you confused and stuck inside hotels. I did. Yeah, I got properly lost in the uh, MGM. That, oh that yeah. Was that was the one that was most confusing for me. <laughs> that, that's the one that uh, Dean Martin, uh, Johnny Carson asked, where do you like to go? Where do you like to stay? And he said, uh, I like to stay at the Migum. All right. That sounds about that, right. The, the, the Migum. So we, we, that, that's the proper pronunciation. Yeah, he got, he got stuck. He got stuck uh, playing drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Actually, uh, I know, I know he typically was probably not drunk on stage, but uh, no, have, you seen, no. have you seen the DVD on this one? what no i have not okay it's a no. cd and a dvd it's the uh the ultimate rat pack collection live and swinging he okay. comes out you know he's playing his drunk act yeah he comes and to bow yeah. hits his forehead on the microphone and looks like <laughs> like properly like disoriented for about two seconds <laughs> oh that's so good uh, uh, by the way uh, here's a fun tip uh on youtube i don't know why i don't know if the rights are just open or whatever but like tons of the dean martin show from the mid 60s to the early 70s available like full length and like pristine i don't know where these tapes came from i don't know if they were remastered or what that is one of my wind down shows at the end of the night i love it because he's just so you can tell why he was a star like the bits are funny and his timing is incredible but he's just got uh, charisma he, he he's just got this magnetic presence on stage and I never grow tired of watching it. But I will say that as fun as I think Dino is, and I love his shtick on stage, I think the most talented out of the group was Sammy. No question about it. That that guy was so ridiculously talented with everything. And, uh, and it's a shame that he uh, he died when he did. I think he, he passed away before Dino and Frank had throat cancer. And... Uh, He's just, he's magnetic, you know, uh, look up any live performances of his and there are a good number on YouTube as well. And he's incredible. 
But those Rat Pack shows, a lot of that stuff never got filmed. You know, yeah, that's, I, I that's think there's only this, one or two that exists. Yeah, that's what's on this DVD. It's like actually, that's the one. Yeah, it's been a little while since I've been into it. So there's some, there's something slightly. Maybe it's like Joey Bishop wasn't there or something. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, right. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Joey Bishop's yeah. just there to to hang out and drink. Right. Let's see. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's got a live at the Keel Opera House. Nineteen sixty-five. Okay, is that the one with Johnny Carson? He's the host, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, they did that as like a... Um, it was like a special event or something that Johnny was there hosting it. And, ah, um, and here... and the, Yeah, so he takes the Joey Bishop role, basically. And um, yeah, the, yeah. The big kicker on this, it's got sets from all three of them. And then they do a few songs together at the end, which I think that's the big rarity of them doing it all together. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right. So you get, See, uh, and that's a, a, a video like that, and and the soundtrack or something like that, that. That's so much why I love recordings of that era. Like I'm I'm so big into jazz and and some comedy records from that period, like the early to mid '50s up through the late '60s, kind of the cutoff. Because something about the improving but still somewhat comparatively primitive recording standards when you have something that is actually live or live in a studio and you get the little discrepancies you get the little it, it, like people making a gaffe here and there and in the case of this rat pack film just them playing off each other and improvising um or even when the bits are not improvised but they're making it look like they're improvised you just you feel the joy in the room you you hear them laughing with each other you hear the audience laughing spontaneously it's great stuff like that is gold i'm in the middle of a book about uh warner brother records warner reprise and it's uh mm -hmm. talking about I, I think it's when mo austin first met sinatra and was on set of one of the late 50s movies and um he was just going completely insane uh, at the director. <laughs> you know, five minutes later, <laughs> oh he's going to meet him in the trailer. You know, oh God, what's this going to? Of course, he goes, in, oh, it's Sinatra. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, watching, right. Watching the man complete, absolutely lose it five minutes <sighs> previously. So, <laughs> God, wow, yeah, no thanks. See, I, and that's the thing. Like Frank is somebody that uh, I did see him live. Um, I say it was about ninety-one. So the, this was in the twilight of his career. And I, I wanted to see him because I wanted to say that I had seen Frank Sinatra. And uh, I very generously got a gift uh, of tickets to go see him. And it was good. But he was, you know, a shadow of the Frank Sinatra of the 60s. I'm glad that I saw that show. He's not somebody I ever would have wanted to meet. You know, yeah, talk about intimidation. Yeah. yeah, and just it doesn't seem like he came across as a really nice guy ever. Like there, there are some people who you know maybe you catch them on a bad day or a good day or whatever, and and some celebrities who are just incredibly kind and generous with their time and grateful uh, for for their fans, and others who just you know what I'll I'll admire your talent from afar. We'll leave it there. A couple shows that I happened to catch that where the person was again in the twilight of their career, but were really good was um uh, at the Atlanta Olympics. Uh, Ray Charles did a couple of free shows, and whoa, those are oh good. <laughs> yeah, oh he he was so good for so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah he could really keep going. 
Yeah. And the the other one that I saw really knock it out of the park was Atlanta's uh, Music Midtown Festival. And it, it was, I think he still had 10 years left when I saw him, but uh, Tito Puente. Whoa, that was a show. Oh, <laughs> dude. Okay. So, you know, he died of COVID uh, last year. And um, it, it's such a tragedy. I have some friends who uh, were working on a documentary about him when that happened. So, you know, the, the course, the direction of the documentary changed a bit, but that, that's some of the last footage uh, filmed of him. He's so good. He was so good and uh, just kept going, like practically right up until the end. And that's one reason, like, you know, if I see a, a bill come through town uh, and the Playboy Jazz Fest is great about this because you're talking two days with 10 acts every day, some of whom I've never heard of. But then I'll look at it and like a couple of years ago, I looked at the lineup and I was like, Ramsey Lewis. Ramsey Lewis is one of my favorite jazz performers ever. If I don't go see him now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I will be kicking myself when the day comes. And, and thank goodness I went because he just, he killed it. He was great. Yeah, who else? It's, um, it's Ramsey Lewis. Uh, it's a, what's the sax? Uh, Pharaoh Sanders. He's still kicking. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He put out an album like a few months ago, and it was actually quite good. So <laughs> wow, I mean, there was another like uh, John Hendricks from uh, you know Lambert Hendricks and Ross. He uh, he was the last remaining out of there. No wait, no a Annie Ross passed away after him, but John Hendricks kept performing. I mean, he was like ninety, and he kept performing right up until the end. And I, I would have loved to have seen him, but you know, it, it, you, you you know, you, you catch some, and like I, I got to see Cab Calloway in New York in the eighties, or yeah, 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 yeah. it was in the eighties, and, and here he was, very, you know, he, he was famous in the nineteen thirties, <laughs> so yeah. it, that was like, uh, all right, how can you not go see the show? And it was a great show. On a but, on a yeah. wild tangent, have you seen these? Uh, I guess they're early talkies of uh, Cab uh, Calloway and Louis Armstrong, where it's like half animated and it's just the most insane stuff ever. No, no, I haven't seen it because I've seen I've seen the early film footage of both of them, but no, not not something with animation in it. On, it is stuff that's not you know PC now <laughs> completely. Like sure, sure, it, sure. It's, but yeah. it's it, it's so surreal. It's um. It's like that early Betty Boop style surreal. I think it was the same animators doing that. Yeah. So. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so wild stuff. I'll see if I can find a link or something for that. Oh, yeah, look that those th those yeah. are, um, oh, is Cab Calloway doing, I'm going to, what is I'm going to something you after your dad or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bunch of animated skeletons and stuff. So, yeah. Oh, too cool. Um, any. Do you want to smack talk any anywhere in Vegas? That's fun too. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, Vegas now is it's so weird, and it's definitely like it, there's a part of me that I love high end, exceptional experiences. Like I, I want to go for a great show. I want to spend my money on great food. I want to just revel in that experience there's a lot of vegas that's trash you know there's a lot of vegas is really terrible and and you know here we are talking about a movie that's from you know the late 50s and let's not kid ourselves like they're presenting this 
very idyllic version and people are dressed great and they're all having a blast and we should not just purely romanticize the past there there are all kinds of problematic things that, that you would find in a realistic picture of this time just as you would any point in history uh but the, you know vegas now is really strange like i i love that there are great chefs playing their trade there uh, there is art to be found there. There are great shows to be found there, but that is mixed in with just a lot of absolute junk. Um, and it, it's, you know, I, I understand that you kind of have to have both. Um, if you just created a place, that was nothing but purely high end, high minded entertainment. It, it would die. It would not be, it, it would not be able to grow the way that it has. So like I'm glad that it's there. I'm I'm glad about the existence of something that caters to tourism that is just built around the idea of tourism. But you walk through and it's like, ah, do I really need to see a Margaritaville ever again in my life? You know, here's and yet here's one. Do I really need to see a Guy Fieri branded restaurant? Ah, no, but but here it is. It just exists. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah time in a margaritaville but that that's because it was almost literally across the street from my apartment so yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, someone's come by hey, let's go you know get some you know fries and a drink or something it's right there <laughs> i go to okay I, since here in japan I, I i don't remember if we talked about this but I, I could not bring myself when i was there i was there for like two weeks and this was years ago and i was with a bunch of people and they decided like well we we're gonna go to the hard rock in ueno park in uh, tokyo and i was like guys i just i cannot set foot in a hard rock while i'm in tokyo okay so you go and like 90 minutes later, we'll meet somewhere else. <laughs> I'm just going to wander. I have no plan, but I'm just going to wander around in any other place that is not Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> because yeah, I can't. Especially in Wayno, the, uh, the, the yeah. thing is, leave the station, go across the street, and you're going to find like 80 of the best restaurants you're ever going to find. <laughs> well, and that's what I did. I, just, I wandered down like alleyways, and I found these little you know grill places and, and food stands, and it was great. I just kind of munched my way through there. So um, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to be a snob or anything. It was just, I, given the amount of time that I have in Japan, I want to make this count. I, I don't want to go to a place that I also think is trash in the United States. Yeah. So, yeah, we're not going to do that. I did go to that Hard Rock, but it had already been in Japan for about six months when I went there. So, and at that point, you need it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. there are there are some fantastic burger places. <laughs> oh, I bet. Well, we live in the, an age of like a burger revolution, so I'm yeah, not yeah. sure that's made its way to uh, uh, to Japan as well. Um, I um, worked in a few years ago. Uh, it's now I still uh, occasionally make the pilgrimage, which I actually call it a pilgrimage. Uh, the place is called a uh, King God Burger. Whoa! Oh, uh, actually, see, on my Facebook, go there. Yeah, on my Facebook page, I think it's still listed as my religion. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, lo but, okay, now, I, I will say this just again, so people don't think I'm uh, uh, a total snob here. The one thing that I regret is that I didn't go to McDonald's when I was in Japan because I like the idea of going to a place that has a totally unique regionalized menu for 
where you know McDonald's is really good about that. Uh, in different countries, it has completely changed the menu. So, uh, as a, a social experiment, I would have loved to have tried that. I can explain some of that for you if you want. Um, please, it's it's please. about the same. I mean, they have a teriyaki okay. burger. They have a teriyaki burger. So yeah, okay. Um, I, I'm also going to throw out there that I haven't been in a McDonald's since 2014. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just I stopped drinking any sugary drinks. Um, didn't stop drinking alcohol, but <laughs> yeah. you, you choose your vices. So I stopped having sugary drinks. Uh, I basically avoid all fast food now. And uh, well, I weigh a lot you. less than I used to. So Good for you. But, good, um, good. In that 2014, I did go to McDonald's a lot. They do have um, special menus from time to time. Mm -hmm. So they were going, it was like each month, they'd have like a 50s burger and a 60s burger and a 70s burger. So um, oh. and for some reason, the chicken version, they had a chicken and a beef one. The chicken ones were always the better ones for these. But um, interesting. My favorite McDonald's burger ever was uh, called the, the Groovy Burger. <laughs> and I got in a chicken oh. form. And, oh, uh, my God. And they had melted cheese fries at McDonald's just for that occasion. So that, that was right there. Sounds groovy. That sounds it, very it was. Groovy. It was. Yeah. Um, the thing with Jap uh, Japanese restaurants is, I mean, if you go to fast food, you're getting fast food. You know what you're getting, right? Sure. Yeah. If you go to a restaurant, so it's 99% chance it's going to be pretty good because a bad restaurant simply can't stay open in Japan. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I noticed that <laughs> when I was there, except for Hard Rock. Somehow they're, they're still yeah. there. You know? Well, they, <laughs> have to, they have to follow their um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make yeah. it the same. Uh, yeah. The thing that really makes me angry about the hard rock is all the guitars are just permanently on the walls. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go play them. Indeed, yeah. How dare you? Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not in the Indiana Jones frame of mind. It needs to be in a museum. No, no, no. no. They, they, they need to sing. Yeah, <laughs> they need. They, they need to actually be used for their intended purpose. Yeah. Although a lot of those, it's like, hey, it's Eric Clapton's Fender. It's like, yeah, Fender gave it to Eric Clapton. He played it for two days, and then he gave it to the Hard Rock. <laughs> he gave it to Hard Rock. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. he, he touched it, but he didn't like use it on a recording or anything. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, right, just, right, right, right. Just yeah. in through his hands. Um, I, I will say, this is speaking of Hard Rock, and, and uh, sorry, I keep uh, driving us off topic. Uh, the Hard Rock Hotel in Vegas is a place that I've been many times. And actually seen some really good shows there. It, it is a good venue. And uh, there's a, a little diner there that I like uh, that's pretty good. And um, yeah, it, it's it's not one of those, it's just like a giant mega hotel where you get lost. It's actually pretty easy to navigate. Um, it's not directly on the strip. It's just like kind of on the other side of the block from the strip. Um, and I, yeah, I, I dig that place actually. It's pretty good. I uh, saw Motley Crue there and um, seen some other shows there. I, I'm kicking myself that I missed The Who in their residency there because that would have been a great place to see them. Um, but yeah, I've just always had a good time at that place. Never actually eaten in the Hard Rock Cafe in the Hard Rock Hotel because it's still trash. Well, yeah, either for concert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I, I've seen a lot of concerts, but not so many for the past 15 years or so. Um, I oh, guess living wow. up in the mountains, yeah. you just you don't make it out a lot. Kind of kind of will do that to you. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I saw enough back in the day. I'm like, hey, I probably got my fill. So that's cool. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Um, the Who, yeah, it's like 
If it, yeah, I, 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 you, you want to see the 1969 here, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I would love to have seen Keith Moon and his prime. Um, a little too young for that. But uh, it, it's interesting to see a band like that age and change over time. Like, I, I'm not a big purist when it comes to bands. I feel like the music is always more important than the band itself or the individuals in the band. And that music has a life of its own. So I'd rather it live than just somebody decide like, okay, well, that has to stop in this particular time. You know, like, no, I can go put on live at Leeds and I can experience in a way the Who live in their prime with that lineup and, and that kind of raw aggression and raw power. But I also saw them in 82 and it was one thing. I saw them again in the 2000s, it was another thing. And like their lineup is great now. It's just different, you know. Yeah, like it's another just, bass yeah. player is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Pino Palladino, yes, he yes, is great. Yeah, and Zach Starkey on drums. I mean, come on, you know, it's he's Ringo's <laughs> he's Ringo's son. But do you know who taught uh, who taught him how to play drums? Yeah, yeah, that was Mooney. Keith Moon. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Ringo has so. had too many lines at the time. Well, how did Keith Moon get together long enough? He was throwing TVs. Out I know, <laughs> right? Yeah, like here's how you play drums: you just beat the hell out of them, and then uh, that's pr move pretty along. much how I learned to play drums. Uh, you know, I I yeah. play in bands in high school, and the drummer just too he was too it was too difficult to keep breaking it down, moving it, so he just leave at my house. And right. <laughs> take the drumsticks in his drum stool, but I'd just stick a chair back there and I bought my own drumsticks. In a... <laughs> this, nice, nice. There you go. After the math test, it's nice to come home and just uh, go nuts with it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I, I kind of, it's so funny, man. This is going to be a long show that'll have nothing to do with the uh, film that you picked out. Uh, I apologize. That's, actually how the, that's how this podcast rolls. That's how it goes. Okay. So uh, totally changing subjects again as we're talking about bands. I watched uh, A&E biography on Kiss. They did a two-night, like a four-hour, so two two-hour parts uh, on Kiss. And that was the first concert I ever saw. Uh, it was in 1979. My mom took me to see Kiss. Um that pre and, makeup. Oh, oh, that that was still with the makeup on. Okay. I didn't take the makeup off until like eighty one or eighty two, somewhere okay. around there. So okay, now um, it's a good time to catch them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, and that's another band that I followed over time. So I saw them then. I saw them in eighty. They must have taken it off after eighty two because I saw them again in eighty two, and they still had the makeup on but a slightly different lineup. And then I saw them again in the nineties. I saw them again in the two thousands. And um, it, it kind of occurred to me, like, that's the perfect example of the music and the show being bigger than the band. I kind of hope that they just become their own tribute band, you know, mm -hmm. like as people age out of it, just like put somebody else in there because it's about the performance. It's about the show. Like you don't necessarily need to be there to see a specific person. It's just like you're going for the event. That's what the hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of these bands that were big in, you know, the first wave of rock and roll, like I, I saw, you know, The Temptations several times, seen The Four Tops a couple of times, and there's nobody from the original band, but there are people who joined that band in, say, the 80s. So they've been around, uh, at, at, you know, for longer than the first wave when they started in the 60s so they've been around and they were they were kind of like trained by the original guys you're not seeing the original guys but you're still seeing the show 
and you're still hearing the music the way that music, you know, theoretically, <laughs> arguably should be heard. So yeah, let that happen. The most bizarre show I ever saw. Um, I, I don't know how familiar you are or are with Atlanta. Did you know a venue called the uh, International Ballroom? Ever hear of that? I have heard of that, okay. but I, 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 I may have been in it one time. Yeah. My parents live, or the house I grew up in is less than a mile from that. So, uh, oh, cool. In 1997, my dad and I, we, we took a 10-minute walk to the International Ballroom. It's all David Bowie. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I mean, right, they talk about cool. like a UFO landing. <laughs> wow. Then <laughs> this sweltering okay. warehouse. It was uh, the Earthling tour. So his band at the time was like real tight. <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, and that's the, the album that um, Trent Reznor produced. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, yeah, the drum and bass sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. What, what's that? There's also Outside. I can't remember anyway. Yeah, he was yeah. torn with uh, Trent Reznor was torn with him at the time. So, oh, very cool. But uh, yeah, cool. that was just a amazing show. They had giant uh, eyeball beach balls bouncing around in the crowd and stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that that has to be my number one show. And um, okay, Bowie's a good one because yeah, yeah, he's always had a different band behind him, and uh, yeah. they were always yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Except but for maybe I, I a few moments in the late eighties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. But but no, but but that's cool. It, it, it's like, yeah, uh, you know, some bands obviously lend themselves to that if they have a really distinctive style, or if that style kind of gets reinvented along the way. Like, the, there's a point where, you know, you kind of yeah, if your tribute that's a little cheesy, a little weird. Like, I've seen a lot of Elvis tribute acts and it's a little strange when you've got elvises that are it, it feels like a parody it feels like a caricature but every now and then you come across one where it's really kind of transcendent it, it, it's like okay here's something that is trying very hard to create this experience create this show to sort of transport the audience for a moment um to to what that would have felt like and, and there's a um uh, there's a band that I've seen a bunch of times lately called Queen Nation that is a Queen tribute band, and they're doing Queen from like late 70s, early 80s period. You know, so that lineup that I never got to see with Freddie Mercury, I've seen it with Paul Rogers, I've seen it with Adam Lambert. Great shows. You know, Brian May obviously still kills it on the guitar, but seeing this tribute band is sort of the best of you know they're they're doing this experience for you that just for a moment is like ooh this is what they would have sound like sounded like we're gonna, we're gonna you know kind of put a bow on it for you and it's it's great i love that one of the best the best elvis impersonation i saw was in a punk rock club um, <laughs> it was a, a man in a chicken suit named elvis chicken oh God, came up with like a Ukulele awesome. or something was like, I can't crack stand. <laughs> <laughs> Every, people hated him. Wow. It was great. Yeah. Wow. And, and, uh, and someone actually, I just brought on a, a friend of mine um, is uh, in Atlanta. We brought him on for the 62 King Kong versus Godzilla as opposed to the new one. Ooh. But he goes nice. around and playing shows as a sarsaparilla, the singing gorilla. So he wears a giant <laughs> blue a gorilla suit um has a string bass and he'll do like he'll do like oh, you know lounge man. songs <laughs> oh man 
I'm oh. slightly out of tune like this. <laughs> you can play the bass and stuff. It's fine, but yeah. I love it. I love I, it. I, I, See, I, 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 no, no, go ahead, please. please. Yeah, well, when he was coming on, I was like, oh, he's going to be in the gorilla suit, right? Which, which, of course, he was. He has a certain mystique. Um, I, I know mm-hmm. the man behind the gorilla suit. So after he recorded, I, I accidentally said um, his real name. And, oh, no. Uh, you know, Luke uh, was like, no, no, I can't. Uh, don't tell me that. Don't ruin yeah, it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Don't kill Santa the Claus mystique. doesn't exist. Yeah. Oh, sorry, see, so th- this is the great thing about Vegas. I'm always bringing it back to the topic, right? Uh, this is a great thing about Vegas is that like, I can think of a time that I've been in Vegas where there are no fewer than four Elvis tribute acts of varying degrees of quality and varying degrees of seriousness, all, you know, pretty much within, you know, five to 10 minutes of each other. And that's awesome because... I love the idea that I can go someplace and have the highbrow and lowbrow right next to each other. And some of it's just like, okay, if you see the ironic value in this, great. <laughs> You'll have a good time. But every now and then there is that one act that is transcendent, that is better, that is non-ironic, that actually shows you something worth seeing. And you get a little bit of all of that there. Could you do a time trip with that? Could you like go see fifties Elvis and then like walk ten minutes and see sixties Elvis and then oh go oh hundred percent yeah that'd be a hundred percent yeah yeah in fact there was somebody who I saw yeah I've definitely seen someone doing just like pure you know seventies overweight Elvis but then somebody who was awfully good doing a younger Elvis doing like that you know that prime like sixty eight comeback special mm. period Elvis and nailed it just absolutely nailed it so yeah almost bought that guitar once it's the hagstrom viking he played at that special but uh in in the in the end i had to get the the copy of john lennon's casino (laughs) okay all right fair and fair it's and let's face it i mean elvis is i mean john lennon is a fantastic rhythm or was a fantastic rhythm player he doesn't get enough Mm -hmm. credit for that (laughs) yeah yeah true yeah he made it look too easy basically (laughs) (laughs) right but uh that's kind of cool. Um, so, are you making your? Are you going to be able to make your way to Vegas next month? Yeah, I am, and I, I'll be quite honest with you. I'm not super excited about that. I, I think it's going to be weird. I just think it's going to be really strange. Like Clark County is a place where their uh, infection rates are going up, and I've not put myself in a position to be in a hotel with thousands of other people for an extended length of time in the last eighteen months. So it's going to be strange. It's yeah, one really thing I get a lot of is space. So, uh, mm-hmm. that, which you know, you, someone living in Japan is like, "What? No, you don't have space." Well, it depends where you are. <laughs> yeah, right. So right. Tokyo, yeah, their infection rates go nuts because they're still packing onto trains like uh, sardines. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I always like to see my friends there, but I, I kept like I want to go back to Vegas just for myself to have fun. Like I want to go stay in the places that I want to stay, take my own time, eat in the places I want to eat, see the stuff that I want to see. Going for the Star Trek convention is very different. It's work and it's work all the time. Even when I'm having fun, it's still work, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and it's just nonstop. It's like 24 hours a day for that five days. So um, I, I would not have been terribly disappointed if they decided to postpone it this year you know 
Um, but that said, I'm glad to see the friends who I'm going to see. Um, I'm excited to reconnect with people I haven't seen in a long time. And just, you know, for listeners of Mission Log, we've got a thing going on our Discord uh, with people who are coming in for the first time coming to the Vegas convention. And I look forward to just having a, a group of people who have been following the show and um, supporting us on Patreon and just getting to spend some genuine FaceTime with them. In masks. <laughs> Pro no, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, just thinking of a genuine FaceTime and oh, like on FaceTime? <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. We've all gotten used to that. How yeah. words get twisted around. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've never really been to many conventions. I guess it's, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends. It's Atlanta. They, well, until recently, they always go to like Dragon mm -hmm. Con or whatever. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But I guess it's once I got out of university, I started uh, just being real transient and working in weird backwoods locations. So right. <laughs> I mean, right. there's something cool to that, too. So sure, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think, you know, I've gotten so used to going to Vegas every year for this and and I would like to go to other conventions. I uh, hopefully I, I will know for sure. Um, so I'm not sure when the show comes out and hopefully that information is still correct when the show comes out. Um, that Larry Nemechek and I are going to go to Yumacon in Yuma, Arizona the first weekend in October. And I'm so looking forward to that because it makes me think of, now I've never been before, so I don't really know, but it makes me think of the smaller conventions that I went to when I was a kid in Birmingham, in Atlanta, uh, Dixie Trek and, and stuff like that. So that, that, I really have my eye on that. I think it'll be a blast. I'm not a big sports fan, but I've been to a few baseball games, and um, you know, I, in Atlanta, I saw the Braves a couple times. I think I saw the, the uh, baseball was still in the Olympics when Atlanta had the Olympics. I saw those, mm -hmm. but the uh, by far the best time I ever had a baseball game was this um, minor league one in Portland, Maine. Whoa! I, yeah. mean, I don't even remember yeah. what the team was called, right? But it was just—it was, just, it was, it was so like fun. a passion there, right? There's a passion. You know, the yeah. fans, the fans that were into them, were like really into them. You know, like yeah, the, like talking to them, like you know, they were back and forth with the dugouts and stuff. And right, right. Like between every inning, they just had something. <laughs> See, coincidentally, the best baseball game I've ever seen was in Tokyo, and oh, it, right. it was yeah, it was the Ham Fighters versus the Marlins. I want to say, and um, yeah, the cheering section and the non-cheering section. <laughs> and we were in the uh, non-cheering section, but there was a Japanese woman behind us who was very outspoken, very much the uh, uh, the nonconformist of the group, and she would just go off whatever she felt like it. So immediately, every eye in the stadium <laughs> turned toward her, and the cameras would capture her. It was a blast. It was <laughs> yeah, great. about a couple years ago, uh, I was at work, and everyone else in my family went to to see the Carps and the Giants. I think, but. Uh... <laughs> nice nice but, uh that's fun yeah yeah because my my nephew's pretty obsessed with baseball and all, all that sort of stuff so <laughs> very cool Good. um i, I guess you kind of already got a, a half plug in there but uh do you want to throw out your website or anywhere people can go get into the mission log scene yeah yeah i mean most people know uh me from the show mission log mission log podcast uh from roddenberry entertainment and that's the one where we focus on star trek exclusively episode by episode um and then i also produce the trek files for larry nemechek and i produce sci-fi five which is a daily five minute 
sci-fi history lesson. And that's great because the topics are just all over the place and it's a, a quick download, a quick listen. Um, and you can find all of those at podcasts.roddenberry.com or if you want to find Mission Log directly, missionlogpodcast.com. But regardless, if you go to podcast.roddenberry.com, you'll find the whole lineup, including the shows that we distribute, You know, even the ones we don't uh, produce. So go there and go nuts. Subscribe to everything. Yeah, that's what I subscribe to everything. Yes, get it all. <laughs> Even if you don't listen, just subscribe to it all. Yeah. Yeah. As for this one, it's uh, Oral Hygiene Pod at Twitter, Facebook, and such. Uh, I also talk about sci-fi movies at Matt and Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. This is all under the umbrella now on Patreon of Podcastio Podcastius. <laughs> Which uh, <laughs> nice, <laughs> that is awesome. I, I didn't come up with that name, but uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a fun one. It's a fantastic one. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Okay, so Pally, let's hit the strip. All right, Pally, let's go. Let's swing. Did you advance the film strip? Are you on the final page? Well done. You look so dashing. Sat before, I wouldn't know who where. Oh, guys, walk, potato walk, it seemed like a disease. Scream her with the afternoon, dark alice, silence, please. Guys walk, potato walk, this seem like a disease.